you believe change is needed within the education system to ensure the well-being of teachers and young people is at its very heart, then join the Well School movement today. We are united, the biggest stakeholders in the education system. We can wait for change or we can be the change. If not now, then when? And if not you, then who? Sign up to the Well School movement at www.well-schools.org. Our community is here to help you on your journey. All our young people need you. Join us today. Hi, and welcome to episode four of the Well Schools podcast. We're your hosts, Anthony and Kay. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Kay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's show. Kay, I'm really excited about this week. Now, we're going down a bit of a different route because we're not necessarily yeah. looking into a well school or speaking to a school leader. We're actually profiling a charity in the education space called 52 Lives, whose ambition is to promote kindness in education, but also in the wider community as well. So I'm really looking forward to, to finding out more about this charity and finding out about more how kindness can be such a powerful tool and, and, and a powerful way of equipping young people to develop their own kindness and their own culture, if you like, within school. Yeah, I mean, I've been really fortunate to be presenting alongside uh, the charity at a number of keynote events, and you can't help but be blown away by A, what they're doing um, and trying to change in the world, but two, at the minute, it's just so refreshing to spend a bit of time really thinking about how important things like kindness are um, and how moving um, acts of kindness. And if we're all just a little bit kinder, how much um, better our lives and our world that we live in would be. And so that's why I just knew the importance of kindness and importance of it in, in well schools and what we're trying to achieve in terms of what there's the bag of skills a young person needs to thrive out in the world. If we're all a little bit kinder, then we can't go too far wrong. No, absolutely, Kay. And it, it got me thinking about, I know that in November, mid-November, there was um, anti-bullying week, which is obviously a big a big moment in time for, for schools right across across the country. Um, and they were talking about this year's theme being about one kind word and the power that one kind word can have in the ear of a, of a, of a fellow student, of a teacher, of someone who's connected to the school. And it really got me thinking about the, the power that I've felt in the past where people have been kind to me or they've said something kind to me and I've said something kind back to them. And I also looked at some of the, the data that we pulled out a couple of months back. I think it was around March, April. And I'll put the report into the show notes so that people can go and have a look. But we did the YouGov poll at Utopia Trust around what parents especially find important in school when they when they're either choosing a school or what they what they're hoping for their young people and for their for their children for their students, and it said that sixty four percent of parents ranked well being as more important than than academic achievements, which I think we've seen in previous episodes as well. This you know these aren't small numbers; these are the majority, and this is where a lot of parents and a lot of people now are starting to see the power of education and the power of kindness. Yeah, I mean, I am a governor of a school and um, a couple of weeks ago I was in the school doing um, the parents open for a new incoming reception. And, and I guess that statistic kind of chimed in my head and not one parent asked me, what is the SAT school? What's reading? What's the math scores? They did. They were all about the questions, all about will my child be safe here? Will my child be happy here? Will my child be celebrated here? Will my child be supported here? Um, and that's what we want to know. And I think there's a real misconception that parents are looking for an outstanding school. Parents are looking to um, dig into what the Progress 8 score is or what the SAT scores are. I think at the heart of what we want for our children and that data perfectly summed it up is we want children to feel well and supported and happy and what good is it to a young person to leave that school with a list of academic qualifications if they're truly unhappy, if their well-being is compromised and they won't be able to function effectively in the challenges that the world will throw at them, then those lists of amazing qualifications won't help. But the qualifications and really positive well-being, well, well that's really powerful. No, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think it's right that you've got to get a balance. And I know that, again, looking at some of the stats in that report, 
67 percent of, of, of parents are primary even, and even more 70 percent um of parents at secondary level have said that their child, children's well-being has suffered over the past 18 months two years we've we've been living in unprecedented times so i think that we all need a bit more kindness and probably kindness is the most important thing that we can be giving each other at the moment and i think not just giving each other but also giving to ourselves as well and, and schools have got a really good history how many schools values would have kindness in there'll be so many schools that would have one of their school values as kindness and I just wait for the day where instead of outside of a school, we have uh, a progress eight school or outstanding at Ofsted. We say this is a well school. We promote kindness in our school. They're the things that we start to promote in order to attract parents to to the school. And I'm waiting for that day. No, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think on that, then I think I, I, I've been looking forward to this, to this interview and I'm looking forward to sharing it with the listeners. So I think we'll jump straight into the interview with Jamie from 52 Lives. Our guest this week is Jamie Thurston, founder of the charity 52 Lives. Jamie is the author of Kindness, The Little Things That Matter Most and The Kindness Journal. Jamie was named in the independent Happy 50 list in 2018, an alternative rich list that celebrates people who make life better for others. 52 Lives has touched many more lives than just those of the people it helps each week. Jamie has given people around the world the chance to help others who are less fortunate Household items that many of us take for granted and small donations when they are all put together really can change a life. Morning, Jamie, and welcome to Well School Podcast. It's our pleasure to welcome you here today. Hello, thank you for having me. Um, I, I'm so excited to spend a little bit of time exploring um, not only what is a very exciting career path for you but also a, a phenomenal charity that um, when I looked into what you do as a charity I stopped all the people in the office like come and look at this come and look at what this charity is doing isn't it absolutely fantastic so so excited to be able to get into a little bit of with that um, with you today but then also look at how some of the things that you're doing I feel really connect with well schools and our well school movement so um if we could kick it off, you just tell us a little bit about you, um, your career journey to date, the things that have led you to setting up your um, inspirational charity. Um, well, that's really lovely to hear. I love it when people think that what we're doing is is wonderful. It's, um, you know, setting up 52 Lives was not something that I really had a plan for. I, I started my career as a journalist originally. I worked for local newspapers and some magazines. So I was a writer, really. And then... Um, I went to work for a politician. I worked for a, um, a Green Party member of the European Parliament. And I was kind of, I used to do um, a lot of her London liaison stuff. So wow. I used to set up visits for her to go and visit charities and that kind of thing. And we'd do photo opportunities and all sorts of things. And through that job, I started to come across just some really fascinating charities doing really incredible work. And I just really loved it. I got really inspired by what they were doing. And so then I, left that job and I went to work for a charity that helped um, children who had uh, parents in prison. And I also volunteered in a prison for a little while. Um, I was on the monitoring board. Um, and then I went to work for another charity. It was a wildlife charity. And I was doing, I was in the kind of PR comms kind of role. So it was very much writing and storytelling. Um, and then left work to have my children. And that was gonna be my plan. I was just gonna be a stay-at-home mum, which I was really happy about and really enjoying. And then, um, came across a wanted ad on a website and it was a lady who was looking for a rug to cover her broken floor. And I, I don't know why, I, I still don't know why I clicked on that ad. I didn't have, I didn't have a rug <laughs> at all, but I clicked on the ad. I learned more about her situation and she just sounded, she just sounded quite desperate. So I got in touch and said, I don't have a rug, but if somebody else donates one, perhaps I could pick it up for you and deliver it to you. And we got chatting and I learned more about her and, I learned that she'd escaped a really awful domestic situation. Um, her and her children had been homeless for a little while. Um, they'd been living in a garden shed for a while, which I just couldn't even, I guess I couldn't even believe that that would be allowed to happen. I think I thought that something or somebody would step yeah. in before it got to that point. But um, anyway, I, I, just, I just really wanted to help her. And, I, and I, the more I learned about her, the more I just thought so many people I know would be willing to help her if, if they knew about her. So 
I um I told all my friends and family about her and I did this big kind of collection we just and it was it was not amazing stuff it was you know secondhand bedding and some toys and bits of furniture and I delivered it all to her one day and she was in tears at the front door when when I got there and it definitely wasn't the stuff I was giving her because it really wasn't very <laughs> amazing stuff it was just the fact that people cared about her she couldn't believe that all these people that she didn't know would be willing to give things to her because you know she'd been treated quite badly in her life um and that little bit of kindness just yeah. meant the world to her um and when I went home that day I felt on such a high I felt really good about what I'd been able to do for her and it's only later on when I learned a bit more about the science of kindness that I now know why I felt that way because you know kindness makes us feel amazing and so I decided I wanted to keep doing it I wanted to do more and so I went home and I set up a little Facebook page and I called it 52 lives and the idea was that every week I would share a story of somebody who needs help and between my friends and family I thought we could do these small things each week to try to help people um wow. and it's grown and grown and grown and wow. um, now we have yeah, almost 100,000 people who um, follow us across our social media and newsletters and we're a, we're a proper registered charity now and everything and we've helped that was in 2013 I set it up and we've worked out um, we've helped about 12,000 people now we do more than one a week now we do do sharing one story a week is at the heart of what we do but behind the scenes we help lots more people now wow that's so amazing and and sits with I talk a lot about in world schools and it's that that notion that if your why is strong enough you make the how happen so you never intended to set up a, a charity to do all this work but the kind of em emotional connection and the why and the need really driven you to set something up to help so many people um well a huge congratulations so that's a phenomenal story and um yeah it'd be great to hear even more about it so um you you briefly told us there what the charity do at 52 lives um but to give us a little bit more detail around how you reach people how people help how does all of that work yeah so we have a nomination process um people can nominate somebody who needs help by the website and in the early days when not many people knew about us it was actually quite hard to find people to help and also even if i was reaching out to people who i didn't know who i'd maybe read about or come across who I thought might need help people were quite suspicious that a random person was contacting them saying do you want me to do something to help you um it's it's changed a lot now that we have um, a big supporter base and I'd say most of our nominations 99% of our nominations now would come from social workers or teachers we get a nomination from teachers um, and other charities also nominate people now um, and so every week I read through all the nominations and um, between me and the trustees we choose who we're going to help and we share a story of that person on our website and social media and just request whatever it is they need it's often a mixture of donations sometimes goods and services um, but always also kind messages because um, we know not everybody can afford to give every week give financially and we want people who aren't in a position to give financially to still be able to do something to help and you know all the people we help actually say the same thing that it wasn't just the stuff that we're giving them that changes their life it's the kindness and all the lovely messages and just knowing that they're not alone that's really what what helps to change people's lives. Wow. Um, it must be a very hard job picking through those. Oh my goodness. That must be one of the hardest challenges. Um, I can imagine that stirs up quite a lot of emotion. That's quite an emotional decision-making process, I imagine. Oh, it's, it really is. I always think, I read through all the nominations on a Monday and I always feel like it's my favourite and least favourite part of the week because yeah. I read so many sad stories and people going through really difficult times but I also know that we're going to do something to help somebody so it's it's a mixture <laughs> a mixture of sadness and joy one of the things and um, it, it's probably slightly off kilter with the well school but whenever I've talked about 52 lives to everyone the first question everyone always asks is how do they fund that so obviously um I've read a lot about how you do that and about your kind of USP of every donation um, 100 percent of that any donation that people make 100 percent goes to the um, benefactor of the support so tell us just very briefly about how the charity is structured like that so what that that fundamental principle of 100 percent of what our individual donors give goes to people we help um, it's always been like that from the, from the beginning and it's something that i never want to change about the charity so the people that we help get um we use 100 percent of the donation plus the gift aid um for the people we're helping I don't even like taking any fundraising fees out of it. So if there's any fundraising fees, we cover them. So it's literally 100% um, 
is used to help people. The way, the reason that we can work like that is because we have corporate sponsorship. So we have kind companies who sponsor us, which means they cover um, some of the some of the sponsorship funds are used to help people, and some are used to fund all of our running costs. So that means that um, nothing that any individuals give ever has to be used for overheads. Amazing, amazing. Well, that's um, incredible work you're doing, and a huge congratulations to us on. Um, achieving such impact and such growth in that period of time and um, so you talk a lot about the science of kindness so obviously you talked about then about the feeling the first time you did that act of kindness and um, what is the link between kindness and well-being from your point of view you know when I started 52 lives I had no knowledge whatsoever about the science of kindness hadn't even didn't even realize there was any research into kindness nothing and over the years I've learned more and more about it and I, I just I can't believe that it's something that I didn't know about before because it's such a simple and powerful way to improve our own well-being and the well-being of people around us I mean and there's been an incredible amount of research into the science of kindness now and you know it's been shown to when we're kind to somebody it releases dopamine in our brain which helps us feel happier um it, it gives you something that's known as a helper's high it's this elevated mood that you get after you've been kind or if you receive kindness or and this, this is what i think is incredible even if you just witness kindness or hear about kindness it's the same thing that happens in your body so it doesn't matter if you're the giver the receiver if you're just watching it happen it has this same incredible effect on your mind and body and from a you know from a physical point of view from a kind of physical health point of view it's um releases something called oxytocin in your body um, which is also known as the love hormone mm. and it's uh, that then causes the release of something called nitric oxide which expands your blood vessels lowers your blood pressure and helps to protect your heart it's known as being cardio protective um, yeah. and it also and this, this is my favorite one <laughs> it's my definitely <laughs> my favorite one um, it it slows aging it reduces the amount of free radicals in your body and inflammation which are the things that that age ourselves so it actually slows aging at a biological level it's just incredible I can't um I can't believe how actually I guess I can believe it it's because you know don't you when when you're kind oh, yeah. it feels good and you get you get that lovely feeling in your body um which is the opposite of stress isn't it when you when you yeah. feel stressed and it's releasing cortisol and all those harmful chemicals in your body kindness is the opposite of that it just floods your body with these amazing positive chemicals that help your mind and your body wow um what have you seen around, I, I just know that probably my own personal lived experience is the impact of COVID. I saw lots more acts of kindness. And I think um, with, within our community where I live, I know a lot more people willing to and wanting to kind of get that benefit of kindness, I suppose, not perhaps not thinking about the anti-aging bit, but that feeling of, of kindness. How have you seen the impact of COVID have an effect on your work and the work of the charity I guess more from a response of people wanting to help us. Have you seen a change there? We saw a huge change. We were we were really quite terrified when COVID hit from a from the point of view of what would happen to our charity. You know, schools closed. Um, I, I, there were so many people struggling, and I was fully expecting our donations to just fall off a cliff. So yeah. we're having all these emergency meetings about you know contingency planning, what we're going to do when all donations start dropping and we kept waiting and waiting for it to happen and what we saw was actually the opposite our donations during COVID went up by between 20 and 30 percent um and that wasn't necessarily actually more people giving it was the among our existing supporters those that were in a position to give were giving more Mm. which is it's just not what I was expecting and it was a really happy surprise because it meant that we could help we had so many more people in need of help so it meant that we could go on and help we helped we ended up helping about four thousand people that year um but I think what what COVID did you know it it stripped away our normal life didn't and I think when your normal life gets stripped away you're left to focus on what really matters which is um you know that community connection and people coming together and supporting each other you know the the clap for the NHS I remember the very first time we did that I was really emotional I wasn't expecting that I got really teary because you could just you know we're all we all felt so disconnected and that was something that brought us all together you could hear people in you know all the neighboring houses and flats um and it was just this sense of togetherness and and of community and um you know my local community set up a whatsapp group which we hadn't done before and people were helping each other there were a few elderly people on our street and the the outpouring of support that everybody was um getting was was incredible because I think we 
people really did want to pull together and help. And you know, there's always there's always going to be a bit of negativity. There was always, you know, the panic buying and in the papers it was people are selfish and look, everybody's taking all the flour and the toilet rolls and all of that. But that that just I don't think that is the reality in people's day to day life. It might be what's in the headlines, but I don't think that's a lot of people's experiences when they're yeah. when they're with their neighbours and in their communities. I think people are much kinder than the media <laughs> would present. And I think it's um, I think I read it in some of your getting back to the fact that we're all got kindness within us. We're programmed almost humans are designed to act and be kind. And I guess when like you talk of in the hardest of times and the most challenging of situations, it's when that those natural traits to us come out and our desire to be kind isn't lost, even when we're perhaps facing the biggest challenges we've personally ever faced. It's um it's very humbling to see, isn't it, that that's that's within us and, um, again, hugely powerful. It is. And I think the thing about I think it being within us, I think kindness is in all of us. It, I think it's innate, but it does sometimes get smothered and covered up by, you know, whatever's going on in your life. If you're going through some difficult times or your or your focus becomes quite narrow, um, you know, you might get stuck in negative thinking and feeling like the world's not a very good place. But all it can take is a little bit of kindness to yeah. then unleash the kindness that's already in you you know it's the same as what you say about happiness it's already in there it just needs to come out and so in that way when when you're kind to somebody it, it's contagious because it makes them more likely um to go on and be kind to other people in fact actually the research into that shows that when we're kind to one person it will positively affect up to 125 people wow. which yeah, would be um, it would put the r number of at of covid at between four and five um way higher than COVID. Did yeah. I say COVID? No, kindness. The R number of kindness. Our <laughs> number of kindness is between four and five, which is way more than COVID. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, in, it's, it's interesting to kind of see that, isn't it? As soon as people start living out that kindness, it affects so many more people that that small act can like take it back to your first example. The benefit would have been through so many more people than that one person that received that act of kindness, the feeling knock-on effect for all those people that got behind that and contributed it's um, very powerful so so tell us a little bit more about school of kindness and where that fits in with 52 lives what is the school of kindness the school of kindness again was something that, <laughs> that launched without a huge amount of planning in the in the beginning um i sometimes think that if i had to actually sit down and plan everything out i wouldn't ever do anything and nothing would ever happen so I just kind of go with what seems like a good idea at the time and it evolves and so far it's worked out quite well I, I'm not a big I'm not a big planner um, much to my I think trustees probably frustration <laughs> at times I'm not very good at writing three-year plans and five-year plans but the way the school of kindness came about was I was asked to give a few talks about 52 lives in my children's school so I'd go into an assembly and just talk about the charity and who we were helping that week and the response from the children was incredible it was um I think what surprised me initially was just how keen they were and how creative they got as well, because the question that I always got at those assemblies was, what can we do to help them? Is there anything we can do? Um, and they they often came up with things like, can I make them a card or can I write them a letter? Or, you know, a child said, can I write them a rap song? It was all these different things they wanted to do to, for the people that we were helping. And that led to the idea of, I just thought, wouldn't it be great if this was a proper workshop that I could do with the children? Because it would often start as a talk, which would then turn into a semi-workshop which it wasn't really supposed to be <laughs> um, it just became a very interactive talk so I decided I'd like to do uh, kindness workshops in primary schools um, my trustees at the time said no because we didn't have any funding or means to do it which was probably fair enough but <laughs> in hindsight I thought they were being uh, mean at the time now I realized they were being sensible and then I um, I won an award it's called the Clarence Woman of the Year Award and it had prize money attached to it which had to be used on a project with young people. So it was, it was just perfect because I had this yeah. project that I wanted to do and now I had the funding to do it. So we launched uh, the School of Kindness in 2016 and we the idea was that every week we would go into a different primary school and run a free kindness workshop. And the workshops cover, we talk all about the benefits of kindness. We give them a few examples of, of things that we've done at 52 Lives, so people we've helped and, and we, then go into the science of kindness and we teach them about the impact kindness has on their own physical and mental health. So, you know, we want to come, we want, I guess we want them to realize that all the little choices that they make every day 
have power and that they can make a difference to people. And not only will they be making a difference to other people when they're kind, but it's also a way to improve their own physical and mental health. Because we really, we just want them, um, I guess, to feel in control of their own well-being and know that there are small things that they can do during their day that improves their own well-being. So we were working initially with about 5,000 kids a year. And this year it's going to be closer to 50,000 kids. It's really grown quite a lot from when we started it. And, and I heard the other day you're going to be coming to my children's school, actually. I was in, in visiting the school and they said that you'd be doing one of your kindness workshops with them. So I'm excited oh, for your own children to go to the program. And so when, when life and work have, go full circle. And um, what when you go in and start talking about kindness, what's the initial reaction with the young people? Do you feel they have a good understanding of kindness at the start? Do you feel it's something that they fully understand? Or what's, what's, it, what's the reception like um, when you start talking about kindness? on the whole pretty incredible the kids are from the beginning very keen and become more keen when we give them a practical thing to do um because you know which we, we it's quite theoretical to start with we we give them examples and most of the kids i think have a pretty good understanding of kindness we talk we talk at the beginning about what kindness means and that kind of thing sometimes it is a bit more financial sometimes they talk about you know giving people things or donating and that kind of thing so we we make sure we bring it back to the the fact and we make a point of talking about how kindness doesn't cost anything and we give them lots of examples of things that the Two lives charity has done that doesn't cost anything but then um, in the second half of the workshop we tell them about a real child uh, it's usually a child that we tell them about who's going through a tough time it's often a child who who's being bullied in another school or it might be a child who's going through a serious illness and we task them with doing something to help that child so that practical side of it um really ramps them up it's and the yeah. creativity they show and the, and the things that they make are just incredible I think when I was at school if someone had told me to write a get well card or something mm-hmm. for somebody I think I would have just been like dear whoever get well mm-hmm. <laughs> Jamie. the the things that they come up with I mean they've made Christmas cards um in the last few weeks but some of the schools we've been working with have made Christmas cards for some of the people that we're sending presents to uh, through the charity and I was just reading one out earlier uh, to my husband and it was, you know, I, I don't know who you are, but I know that you're beautiful inside and out and life is tough, but you're tough too. And it's all these really beautiful messages that they're coming up with. And, and I think one of the things that we talk about quite a lot through the workshops, which the children really rise to is we, we talk a lot about empathy and putting yourself in that person's shoes. So before, you know, before they write their card or their message or, make their song or whatever they, they're doing, we get them to really think about what life must be like for that person. And what, you know, if you were in their shoes, what would you want someone to say to you? What might help you in that situation? So they're really putting a lot of thought into it. And, you know, I think by, by teaching them that to practice empathy, it just makes the kindness that they're giving to that person much more powerful. And they get quite excited about it as well. It's always, um, do you think they'll like it? Do you think they'll like it? And, you know, we, we often get the person, whoever they give the cards to, they often send a message back to the children to, to just to get them. We like to close that loop to get them to see, look, you know, you might think that all you did was make a card for somebody, but it changed their life. It, you know, it helped them feel supported and loved. Well, I bet that's a, again, just witness that journey. That must be a very emotional cycle to see. It must, um, your job must be very rewarding, but also must, be something you have a whole range of emotions for seeing that um, full circle coming on you picked up a few things there um, you started to talk about creativity and empathy and one of the key pillars of a well school is our pillar around being equipped and that's ensuring all young people are equipped with the skills and experiences they will need to not only thrive within their community but thrive in work and thrive in life um, We know schools talk to us a lot about um, the pressure of a a system fascinated with exams, a system that um, the success of a school is often so intrinsically linked to how they perform at SATs or how they perform at GCSEs or A-levels. I was just listening to the other day about a conversation saying, you know, we used to say it was five A-star to C's at secondary school. We're now talking around eight. Where's the time been found? The school days haven't got longer. The curriculum hasn't got narrower. Um, you, the children aren't more efficient suddenly out of nowhere um, so so much of what schools do is on what's examined and examined subjects and 
in Equipped, we really fight for and campaign for the importance of ensuring that young people have got the, the human skills we like to talk to, to, to talk about, the skills that will make them um, become well-rounded citizens of the world. But also we talk a lot about the workplace, the modern workplace, what will jobs will they go into? And we know advancements in, in things like computer technology and AI means that I think released today, 90% of jobs for those entering school this year won't exist when they leave school. So the 90% of the jobs haven't even been created yet. So the things we know make us uniquely human are the things you talked about, creativity, empathy, kindness. They're things that computers will never replace. So are definitely the things that will be so important for our young people as they move out of school and into the world of work. Um, in that space, so when a school at, at got such limited amount of time to teach anything than what's on the curriculum. Why kindness? Why would you say to a school that it would be important that they would find the time in that very crowded curriculum to focus on kindness? I think, I mean, the, the very simple answer <laughs> is because it determines what kind of world we have. And, you know, and I don't, I'm not even saying that flippantly, how we are as human beings and the choices that we make every day, that's what determines our world. And you know, we, we all want a kind world. So if you want um, children to grow up in a kind world, we need to teach them to be kind. Um, at a, you know, at a more day-to-day -day level, we want kind classrooms, we want kind schools, we want kind communities, we want kind workplaces, because it, you know, it, when we create those kind of kind cultures, it's not, it's not just about making it a nice place to be, which is obviously a, a massive bonus for you know, being in a nice place, but it's also just, um, it, it's better at every level. It, it will make people more productive. When we're happier, we learn better. Um, when, we're in a, when we're in a nice workplace, we're more productive, we're less likely to take sick days. You know, there's been lots of studies to show that if you just have one good friend at work and if you work in a supportive environment, you're much more creative, you're much more productive. So even if you want to look at it from a numbers point of view and a quantitative point of view, it's better if you're in a kind environment. Um, but also that side of it interests me less. I think it's just nice <laughs> to be in a kind environment. There's obviously all the benefits, but... Um, and from a mental health and well-being point of view you know there's a there's a huge emphasis on children's mental health especially coming out of covid and kindness is a really simple and really powerful and really cheap way to improve children's mental health and it's also a really simple way for them to learn to take control of their own mental health because if you know one of the things we teach children in our workshops is when you're kind it's improving your own mental health if you're having a bad day if you're struggling Think about what you can do to help somebody else and that will instantly help you feel better as well. Um, my son recently got his or his report card that he got uh, in July and it, you know, it has all of the, the, I don't know, the curriculum links and where he's gone against everything. And I kind of, I vaguely read through all of it. It's quite dense, the report that we get. <laughs> I feel like a lot of it is slightly, the beginning bit's always cut and pasted from whoever was <laughs> Um, but there was one bit in his report that stood out for me above everything else. The head teacher in his comment wrote um, that Max always makes sure everybody has someone to play with at break time. And to me, that, that I could have stopped reading the report then and there. That was that is, you know, I it's lovely if my children are doing well at school, but I care much more about what kind of human beings they are. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that is backed up with the Usport Trust research. We have um, been consistently doing YouGov polls, looking at samples of the population and asking around parental um, motivation behind picking schools and consistently at secondary, and then it comes up to second in primary only above geography, the well-being of their young people, their, their children is the number one priority. So we often think that parents are going to want to know how well they're going to achieve academically but actually all of our research says that really what they want is their young people to be happy and healthy um, and that really ranks up there so we, we use that a lot in world schools actually but if we can have the parents backing and support to say this is really important and our aim is to not see we are outstanding at Ofsted outside a school but we are a happy healthy school is the thing that um, schools celebrate them. And just something else on that when you know thinking about being able to fit kindness into the school day. Um, 
I don't think we need to think about kindness as well. You know, obviously it's great to have kindness workshops, kindness lessons, all that kind of thing. And that's obviously part of the curriculum now, but I think you can also see kindness as a thread that runs through the entire day in every class you're doing in every, you know, every aspect. It, it's, it doesn't have to be, we're doing math, we're doing geography, now we're doing kindness. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that should, and you know, not just in school, in life. I, I don't like to think about um, kindness in terms of performing an act of kindness, you know, just being awful all day and then going and holding a door open for somebody mm-hmm. isn't really I don't think the best way to live your life it should be I think kind of should be a thread that runs through your day that that determines every interaction you have so whenever you, if you approach your whole day and um you know if schools approach every lesson with kindness then then that the children are going to pick up that pick up on that and it will become part of the culture just from teachers modeling that yeah yeah and I think something else you talked about earlier as well is about um, happier people learn better. And we know that in our life. And that's something we talk about a lot at well schools that actually what we're not saying is that academic performance isn't important, but the two things are not opposite ends of a scale. It's not either, either or. It's not we can have happy young people and happy teachers or we can have academic success. <laughs> and that actually, if we get those things right, what we're creating, and we talk a lot about it in the podcast as well, that... Um, looking at the holistic view of a child if we can get a young person into a place where they are happy um, and they're healthy then they are in a better place to learn so that time spent in the classroom that spent time that time spent on the examined curriculum will be more beneficial will be more impactful and the young people will retain more information be inspired to um, seek more information and the whole package becomes mutually supportive rather than mutually exclusive Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the final thing I'm just going to talk about um, at Usport Trust, um, who are um, one of the founding um, partners of Well Schools alongside Bupa Foundation, we obviously have a, a real passion for sports and the power of sport. And um, I'm just interested to hear from you when and you're doing a lot of charitable work. What we often see is that real connectivity of power of sport bringing out or being connected to acts of kindness if you look at the minute um in the news this week it's been kevin sinfield who's run 101 miles um to raise funding for his friend um rob burrow what what's your view on that how do you see the power of sport um connecting to to kindness and to to the work of a charity have you got any examples you can share with us i i just think it's a great way to um to encourage people to do things to you know it, it's a, to encourage people i guess to do things to raise funds for charity it's much more fun isn't it if if it's actually an endeavor that people can get behind um and i think people are much more likely to to donate when it's somebody they know or when when it's an inspirational message as well i mean look at captain tom so tom captain tom, i'm not sure what he's <laughs> now, but look at that he just captured the spirit didn't he of the whole nation yeah. and and, yeah. and world in the end and raised millions and um we saw we saw quite a lot of that especially during covid and among the school children that we were working with as well some of the things that they were coming up with to to support us and to support some of the people that we were helping you know we had a child do a, a lot of them were a lot of the children were doing um fundraisers along the theme of 52 so somebody cycled 52 lengths of his grandma's street somebody else baked 52 cupcakes yeah. somebody did 52 kicky ups of their football it was all these different things but the spirit was lovely because it was very much, you know, sharing videos of what they were doing and it felt quite collaborative. And, mm-hmm. and they also then got to see that um, they could have fun and do those things, but that it was also helping people at the same time. So it, it's just no downside, really. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's inspirational as well to see people doing that and achieving things like that. And I think seeing people, you know, like Captain Tom, who doesn't particularly seem or didn't particularly seem incredibly sporty yeah. <laughs> at all seeing people just do what they can yeah to I guess to I don't know to push themselves maybe out of their comfort zone a little bit to yeah. to inspire yeah, we, other people and to help people at the same time yeah we we talk about that a lot in the charity and it's um you know what's your personal best like what is the challenge and that's the ability of of sport and physical activity to have so many different um boundaries so many different opportunities those you know with real extreme endeavors to those that actually kept on walking up and down his garden was the challenge for him um 
but yeah, I, I was just kind of when I was reading all about um, the work that you do, you see sport appear so often, and and that thing that we're passionate about, which is the power of sports, so often connected with that desire to support somebody, help somebody, act kindly to support them, kind of the forum of sport being used to bring that um, to a reality. Um, so the, the bringing of the two things together and the rich and powerful environment that sport can create and the opportunities that can come out of it. So what would a school in our community have to do if they wanted to become more involved in 52 Lives or the School of Kindness? How would they get in touch and how would they know a little bit more? There's lots of different ways. We try and, you know, schools want to work with us in all different ways. So we try and uh, give as many different opportunities as possible. So we obviously have our kindness workshops, which are completely free. And they can go to our School of Kindness website and request a workshop. Uh, we, we're doing them both face-to-face -face and virtually. During COVID, we had to obviously switch to virtual. And now, now it's a mix. Some schools want us face-to-face, -face, some want us virtually. So we've decided we're just going to do both forever <laughs> whichever way people want to work with us so um so think they can request a workshop we also have a huge range of teaching resources now so we've got video lesson plans um we've got lots of different activity sheets for key stage one and key stage two and we also have something called the kindness fund so if there's a child in their school who has an idea for spreading kindness in their school or community they can apply for small grants from us at up to 250 pounds to help bring that idea to life because um, we really, you know, we we do so much to try and encourage children to be kind. So we really wanted to then reward them, I guess, if they do have these ideas. And we wanted to help. We want we want them to feel like if they have good ideas and they do want to do something in their community, that someone would support them in that. So we try and support uh, children to bring their ideas to life. And we also have a kids kindness club, which was designed for children, but we seem to have more teacher members now actually than children. Um, with the kids kindness club every fortnight, there's an email newsletter sent out and it has a video with a kindness challenge of the, of the fortnight. Um, there's kind stories, there's little competitions and kids can win prizes and that kind of thing and they can earn kindness badges. But what we realized, what we have come to realize now is that a lot of our teacher members play those kindness challenge videos for the children at the beginning of the week or they might you know, task their class with earning their kindness badge, that kind of thing. So that is now for teachers and children, <laughs> that one. Um, and during normally during the holidays, we, we run special uh, competitions for schools as well. We often have half-term kindness challenges or Easter kindness challenges um, with normally quite good prizes now. We, um, we have a sponsor who creates, a, who, the, uh, our sponsor is called NBB Recycled Furniture and they make recycled furniture out of, um, like 100% I think they're the buddy benches that they that they donate to us to give to schools are made from 100% recycled plastic and water bottles and all sorts of things so we like to think it's being kind to the planet as well <laughs> as being kind to people so there's just lots of love, really lovely things that schools can get involved in and they can win prizes as well which is an added bonus we always say to the kids but even if you're not a winner the real prize is kindness but we find that um, a lot of the kids in our kindness club like the actual prizes as well <laughs> amazing and we will definitely um, put some posts out into the world school community um, to help people find you so we will make sure that then there's some posts up for people to be able to find and um, finally just to close that out um, obviously it's um, a really challenging time for a lot of people at the moment and recently we've had the teacher well-being index come out and with some really worrying statistics on teacher well-being um, and I just wanted to ask for your advice what advice could you give us to ensure that there's a little bit of kindness in our lives and a little bit more kindness in our work environments what would you say is your top tip you know my favorite saying is and I've got a little poster on my wall um, it sounds quite cheesy but it's um if when you can't find the sunshine be the sunshine mm -hmm. and I think that's the best thing you can do to create a kind environment or to try and experience a bit of kindness around you. Be the person that brings it because it will spread and it will, your actions and your demeanor will help to, to create the kind of environment that you want to work in. Wow. And it reminds me a lot of a quote I use a lot, which is about um, life isn't about waiting for the rain to pass, but learn to dance in the rain. And um, that kind of a, a similar um, quote. Well, that's all the questions questions I've got time for today but thank you so much um, for coming and sharing with us your incredible journey from something you never intended to something that's making a huge difference to so many people and such an important lesson to us all about the the science and the power and importance of kindness um, 
to create the kind of world we all want to live in. So thank you for sharing with us today. And it was lovely to meet you. Thank you for having me. It was really lovely to chat to you. See you soon. Bye. Okay, again, another fantastic interview. Each week, they just keep getting better. And I was blown away by the, the, the power of what 52 Live does. I was blown away by the story that Jamie told us in terms of how it was created, how it came about, and, and the change that it's now making. But two of the things that jumped out to me, number one was the, the science of kindness. That's a new one on me. I've never heard of the science of kindness before, uh, but it absolutely makes total sense to me in terms of, one simple act of kindness, no matter how dramatic it is, can impact on 125 people. And I've I've never really considered that. But when I think back to some of the things that have happened to me in the past, and then how I take that into my day, into my week, into my month, it really does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? The school of the school of kindness. Yeah, de- definitely. And and coming back to your point about the science of kindness, I think we can't we could run the risk of thinking kindness is a bit of a fluffy thing and I think we often talk about these things about kind of fluffy or soft I think that we often talk about but when I was doing research for the podcast and I looked at the science well, it, it just makes obvious sense it just mm. makes sense to you straight away that um you feel it so we kind of make it fluffy but actually each of us know what it feels like when someone is kind to us or even when we listen to kind like how many people will feel really positive after listening to this podcast and take so much not just from the work Jamie's doing but the the ability to make something happen to to just want to spread a bit of kindness and to go out and make that happen Um, and that R number you talk about um, we all know it we feel it so it's it's almost great we feel a lot better about it I think when we have like a science behind it when we understand something rather than just relying on a a feeling because that's when we think it's fluffy or soft and I think that's the lovely part about the science of kindness it says well there is a real scientific backdrop to why kindness makes us feel good and again it's going back to the science and when when jamie mentioned about the r number being between four and five now we all know what r number stands for now and we know how it works and yeah. probably over the last 18 months two years it's it's almost had a really negative connotation attached to it but the, the science of kindness almost flips that on its head and puts a real a positive spin on what an R number could be and the fact that you can spread something like kindness amongst people to, to make someone else's day a bit better, someone else's life a, a little bit more pleasurable. So that, that jumped out to me. And as I said, I hope that a lot of people listening will, will take that and, and learn from that and understand that even just saying thank you or smiling at someone, you can have a major impact on so many other people. And don't we just need a little bit of kindness right now? Um, the, you know, never have we needed to all be kind to each other. And never did we find more solace in kindness and caring for other people than we did when we were all faced with real challenges, both in our work life, in our personal life, in day-to-day life. Um, just the thought of having a positive impact rather than continual negative impacts that we're all feeling. Um, it, it's so important and really resonated with me. No, absolutely, Kay. And I think the second thing that jumped out at me as well, though, was was the concept was a concept of the school of kindness. Now, for me, I'd love one day to see a brick and mortar school of kindness. I think that'd be absolutely incredible. <laughs> but the concept of weaving kindness through the whole day into every lesson, um, whether that be in a, a P lesson or a, or a math lesson or a, or a language lesson using the science of kindness to, to create a school of kindness was such a fantastic and such an innovative concept to me. De- definitely. And it's, it's completely in the well-equipped band of well schools. And it's what we talk about all the time. If we just do kindness once and we never really go back to it, we feel, we feel great in the moment and it's really positive and it creates a buzz, but does it fundamentally shift and change people's knowledge, understanding? Does it encourage people to live out being kind or does it just, 
cause people to be kind in a moment and then go back to how they were so we all know the science of learning means you have to constantly revisit something you know we talk at useful trust a lot about sticky learning and how do you make that learning stick and you make it learning stick by constantly revisiting it and um, in the same way we say you can't just stick a well-being module into a day you can't just talk about kindness once it's it has to be something you live out and embed in everything you do and, and we see that in our creative founding schools and on our, the schools our board members champion, that they put the learning of things like kindness and communication and empathy and creativity, the human skills that we know our young people will need, and they place it everywhere throughout their school. They embed it in all of the lessons. And I've visited some amazing schools that have done that. And that's not at the detriment of academic performance. That's not, we spend all this time on these skills and no time on um, academic learning to the detriment of learning that um, if we can encourage kindness we encourage creativity then we better equip our young people to learn absolutely Kay, and it's such a powerful thing about being kindness and, and developing these skills in young people so i hope that this episode will will inspire people who are listening to be kind to to others but also to themselves as well and i think that's something that we we sometimes neglect is, is being kind to ourselves and realizing that kindness is not just transactional it's reciprocal as well so hopefully people will take this episode and 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 really use it next week to or in the next couple of weeks to to say one kind word or do one kind thing and we'll make the world a little bit better thanks Kay. thanks Sam. thanks for listening and we hope you found this episode useful We'd like to thank our partners, Hooper Foundation and the Youth Sport Trust, who have been with us since the start of this journey and have some really powerful tools and practical ways to support an improved culture of well-being in your school. You can find out more at booperfoundation.org or at booperfoundation over on Twitter. Also, you can find out more at youthsporttrust.org or at youthsporttrust over on Twitter. If you'd like to find out more about our special guest this week, you can visit 52-lives.org or follow at 52lives on Twitter or 52.lives on Instagram. Finally, if you would like to register completely free as a well school and join the movement for change, then head to www.well-school.org and sign up today. You can also find us at well schools over on Twitter.